Hey, show them what your name is. Do you have a man who you came with? Ooh. All right, welcome back, y'all. Street Academy Podcast, where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the street. street. <laughs> <laughs> you were so silly. <laughs> what is going on? Jonathan's so, having a moment. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm excited, man. <laughs> uh, I feel the, you know what I'm saying? Outcast, big boy is going to be big boy. Andre yes. is going to be Andre. Correct. And we love what they do. We love. I'm. I'm. A, I'm. A listen to a big boy. I'm gonna listen to Andre. I love what he did on that Kanye song. Everybody, it was blowing up on social media. Everybody talking about it. I love it. Yeah. When they come together, you know what I'm saying. Sean. Sean is good. Wanye is good. Who the other <laughs> boys the men? The other no, boys. not the boys the men. You know, but when they come, when they come together, Ashley and JoJo was cool. Devonte Swain was cool. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're They're not jealous. It's true. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, John is good. Amber is good. Jackie is good. It's all good. But when it come to... Yeah, hey. yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 Beautiful day. Well, we I never been compared man. to Jodeci and Outcast before. This is I love this comparison, guys. <laughs> Especially the Jodeci. Do y'all remember that Martin episode where he did? Please, y'all remember the Martin episode where he went to what was the guy? It was Tommy Davis's show, and then he was doing the Jodeci thing. That is one of the best episodes. Of I know. I remember that, and I like watch every episode of Martin. That is one of the best episodes. <laughs> I need to go find it, like maybe on YouTube. Or he was singing that Stevie Wonder. Um, late was it lately? I think mm-hmm. it was, lately. Yeah. Was it lately? Was, I just feel like he was just like I can't remember which song it was. Yeah, that was that lately, and then Martin bust out with the tank top on. Which <laughs> so that be like the one episode that I've never seen? <laughs> what was the guy's name lavar or lavert like the the tommy davidson character on martin he was the recurring character yeah his um he was um oh what was his name i'm about to yeah look at um varnell hill varnell yeah you remember varnell hill uh jackie Sure don't. What? And I thought, and I thought I knew no. about everything about Martin, and apparently I don't. And it was, and you know what? It was when um, what happened? Um, you don't remember when Varnell Hill came to the uh, <laughs> to the to the radio station, and and Martin was interviewing him, and then yeah. and and Martin said, "Don't you have a lake?" out back and he said something like oh yeah the catfish is amazing and martin actually started laughing in real life like he couldn't hold it mm-hmm. so he had to turn away from the camera because do you remember that uh amber i just remember that host back and forth both of them were just on it they were it just like both, like kind of just like Bobby Davis at it. martin laughing in real life he was like was really laughing he like turned his turned his head away and i remember watching like a behind the scenes of it and Martin was like, I couldn't hold it. Like I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying not to laugh, but I couldn't hold it. It was too funny. 
<laughs> no, the only like um, living color person that I remember consistently from Martin was David Allen Greer playing oh. that pastor. Oh yeah, when he was the that creepy, creepy yes. Yes. He probably be like, so uh, 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 his hands were just. (laughs) It was so creepy. Oh man! And it's so it's so on brand. It's like so perfect. It was perfect. I feel like any church going woman has Mm -hmm. had that older gentleman in church. Like, like like that. Oh, yes. Did y'all ever see that clip of Kendrick Lamar when um, he was at an interview and he walked out on it? And it basically, he said he had mentioned something about Martin, and the woman was like, "Oh, I, I don't know what that is." And he was like, and "He like, <laughs> he's like supposed to be interviewing him about like you know supposed to probably be some kind of hip hop expert or whoever she is." Right. He's like, "For real?" And I think that's interesting because it's mm. like you know how people claim proximity to black things but then I feel like some black things are really like super black are so black that only black people know them and then when Mm. you kind of claim that proximity it's like wait you don't know this and not to try to and and I well it's not necessarily the same with black people because I understand why black people might know those black things Mm -hmm. however but when it's like somebody who's acting like they know blackness or Mm -hmm. black things Mm -hmm. and they don't Mm -hmm. it's kind of like get out of here yeah (laughs) wait was she white she was something okay I don't know what she was like non-black yeah, she was non-black enough. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just gonna start calling everybody black and non-black. <laughs> I like listen, that. Yeah, listen. That was that was my dissertation because I was like, I'm censoring black people in my dissertation. So man, I listen, black and non-black. Black and non-black. Because this whole beep bipoc bull crap, where it's just like <laughs> we, we have to call, we need to like identify everybody black indigenous people of color. People mm-hmm. of color, you know what a horrible, ridiculous all catch-all term that is because mm-hmm. it's like we're basically trying to call ourselves non-white yeah 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 it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely the pc way to say non-white yeah okay. yeah i'm i'm not i don't like that term bipoc i like it more than poc mm-hmm. i like <laughs> i like bipoc more than <laughs> more than regular pop mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but i don't use it mm-hmm. unless like I need to for some for some reason. Like if I'm speaking to somebody who like their language is BIPOC, then I'll use a BIPOC. But like if I'm just talking, I, I made this up. I don't know. So, like it became, like just hit the mainstream like a year ago or something. It I feel did. Like, it, like it was like in the wake of all the the like yeah. racial uprisings, which is so interesting. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday about the fact that I have noticed. This is like super, super academic, but I have noticed that there are a lot of positions that are calling for like someone who has like specialty in like race mm-hmm. um, in like their scholarship, like across fields. So it could be like sociology, psychology, education, et cetera, et cetera. And they're looking for someone who's like a race scholar. But specifically, <clears throat> these calls are looking for people who have expertise in like indigenous methods or indigenous histories or things like that um like latine experiences and things and i'm like this is very interesting because out of the racial uprisings the specific like ones related to blackness 
and the, the diversity statements and all that stuff that came out behind all that last year, which doesn't even feel like last year. It feels like so long ago, but. Wow, it does. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, I've noticed that the, the result of that is not benefiting scholars who study Blackness, scholars who are Black. Like it's benefiting other Pac, but not, well, it's benefiting IPOC, but not BIPOC. Mm. I feel like, is this the same like, type of hashtag Asian Lives Matter situation where it's just like, hey, yeah, we all agree mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Black Lives Matter, it's not. And that's to say that it's like, we can't just say that it's about Black people. We have to be able to say that it's other things as yeah. well in order for Black people to get whatever they need or what they yeah. deserve. So it's yeah. just like, there were no arguments about Asian Lives Matter or arguments about you know, getting their legislation pushed through or whatever that was. But it's just like Black people, you can't just be out here saying Black people. It's mm-hmm. just, you can't say like, no, we're focused on Black people. Mm-hmm. Like people, mm-hmm. I, I don't, it's like we always have to be grouped together with other people in order to get some kind of justice. Mm-hmm. You know what? Umar actually was the, well, Umar? Yeah, Umar was actually. You know, he just got married to two women, right? I saw Wait, it. What? I Are saw you serious? It. <laughs> and then he said one of them was like his vanilla African or something, his African vanilla. What? I'm sorry. Yes. You're invoking the name of Umar. And I'm yes. just like, go, go, go look that up. Yeah, he just got married to two women. No, and I wasn't even tripping off that. What what made me laugh? Back to what you were saying. Okay. Well, I mean, you gonna get to that. What made me laugh though was <laughs> somebody was talking about the reception. It was like it looked like you had no reception at somebody church. <laughs> somebody church. It does. It was like Christmas lights up in the background. <laughs> I was like, okay, Umar, now you get paid a good amount of money for these. Or kids. does he? I'm thinking like you don't raise all this money for this school. You couldn't redirect some of your tax returns or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a little five, ten thousand dollar wedding reception wedding. Ceremony for both your wives, bro. Like, come on, son. Like, you could have rented Korean. It looked like some library, community center, something. I know the Nation of Islam would have gave you like one of their mosques. <laughs> There was this clip of Umar that became a meme like maybe two, two and a half years ago, and I cannot find it. That was hilarious. But it's just like this clip of him being like, will I have a queen? I don't know. But like the meme was like people like my response when people ask if I'm bringing a plus one, like it was (laughs) hilarious. And I, I was like, I cannot find this little clip because y'all know I, I love a good gift. I love a good, like, mm-hmm. whatever. And I need to find it. If anyone knows where it is, yes, I, don't like, know I need one. to know where this clip is. And our chats, Jackie is the queen of gifts, bro. Priceless. <laughs> <laughs> yo. I need, to, I need to find it. But you were about to say something about something he said. Yes. Oh, yeah. but yes, actually, yes. Omar was one of the first people, this was years ago. Um, where I was watching something with Umar and he he made that that mention and that was that was what kind of raised my consciousness about why do we have to include everybody mm-hmm. uh, when we say people of color, people of color. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, we're just talking about black people. Like this is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about 
black people. And so a lot of times, even when I'm teaching or whatever, I'll say something like, you know, something, 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 people of color, but more specifically, I'm talking about black people. Like I make mm-hmm. sure that it's understood, like mm-hmm. we're mentioning us, we're talking about us, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. um, we don't always have to include everybody else to validate our struggle. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. Or to be so inclusive. Right. Now, but, 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 to, and it's not even a pushback, but it's just something else I've been thinking about too. When you said, Amber, that, you know, do Asians get the, get, the, the Asians get the pushback during the Stop Asian Hate campaign that Black mm-hmm. people got during the Black Lives Matter? You know what I'm saying? Why do we have to say Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. And I know from, uh, from non Asians, we didn't see it because okay. us yeah. outside of their community, all we saw was Stop yeah. Asian Hate. And then we saw everybody jumping on board. We saw the bill that now that's something, something we, we can say we did see that bill got passed really quickly. You know what I'm saying? Woo. But do we really know if they got pushed back? That's or maybe true. they did and we just wasn't in their community to see it. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you are a hundred percent right. I mean, all all I can say is that the country watched someone get the life choked out of them for 10 minutes and we watched uh the the kente tribe uh otherwise known as congress stand up there mm. and kneel um talking about this bill talk about and that, it and that bill still ain't got passed talk about it but then the country Ooh. watched you know i can't remember the number of asian women that got killed yeah. by yeah. a white supremacist um george floyd was also killed by a passive white supremacist mm-hmm. um but we we watched that happen like we watched that unfold on the news as well we watched the the backlash in the form of stop asia hate and then we watched that bill get passed almost immediately and here we are two years after the fact and it's clear that that bill isn't going to get passed it's clear that like the campaign promise of the president vice president um who looks more like us than any other vice president in history. Um, even under their administration, that bill still isn't isn't passed and likely won't be passed. Like there's no indication that it will be passed. And so, you know, when we speak of being inclusive to, to other folks, it feels very often like we're inclusive to our own detriment. Because um, people benefit, we still are asking for benefits for us as well not just the benefits that stop trickling down when they get to us so mm-hmm. anyway why y'all got me on my soapbox <laughs> i can't say this though we did not see a public counter protest or counter hashtag mm-hmm. we didn't see stop all hate that's one thing we that did not become mm-hmm. public you know it's mm-hmm. like i don't know what was happening in the asian communities but mm-hmm. we didn't see a counter hashtag like that's true like we saw you know, this shit just about, yeah we didn't see all of that we did we didn't see that mm-hmm. and i think yeah it's just wait the more i think about this people of color term i'm becoming increasingly agitated <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> wait who the hell are people of color so you got black mm-hmm. 
brown, yellow, mm-hmm. red. Are these where the where did these terms come from? If you think this is the most ridiculous term ever, so black people, again, we had to be, black was created. So mm-hmm. brown, I think, was just created as a reaction to black because we had to some way figure out how to talk about. Hispanic people or Latinx people, right? So it's just like, well, let's call them brown because they're not quite black. But then also you have Indian people for actually from the continent of India who they're also like brown or are they called something else? And then you have the audacity to call Asian people yellow and mm. then and then red people are indigenous, probably more than likely like Native Americans because people will call them red, mm. i.e. red skins, which is horrible. And that's still there. Oh. So Mm -hmm. is POC really like a combination slur in a way? Because none of it actually, like, none of it, like, these are not good terms. These say nothing about the people themselves. And if anything, it's offensive in one way. You know, I mean, you say like yellow and red, like we don't, we don't call Indian people. I mean, people, indigenous Americans red. Calling Asian people yellow is probably not that, great even though i know sometimes they've kind of taken that they've owned that in some ways to call themselves yellow or like you know when they have their um and stuff when they talk about stuff yeah and then i know with you know black people we've taken the term black and been okay with it and what we created it or whatever but it just seems like maybe it's not a combination slur but it's like a combination dismissal of your ethnicity and culture Mm. and then to group it all together as though any of this is similar I mean, John, you, you're the sociologist of race, so I'm going to let you speak, but it feels to me as the non-sociologist, but like that some of this came out of like the 70s during mm-hmm. um, the, like the race movements of the 70s where people were literally um, coming together. So you had like the Black Power movement and then you had like Chicana movement and Chicana power and like some of these movements were like operating together. It was like we fight in the man together. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's like where the idea of like people of color came from like this idea that like we are working collaboratively like in good faith in good spirits and actually getting stuff done and then terms and movements get co-opted especially like when we're talking about during that era of like COINTELPRO and whatnot yeah yeah I actually just um actually just uh did a a lecture about that and how like and one thing I have to I I wasn't used to when I started teaching predominantly white kids or at predominantly white universities is how often they say colored people. And <laughs> I was like, oh, y'all really, y'all really call black people. And I would read papers mm-hmm. where they would say out loud and yes, yeah, such and such and such. And it was a colored guy. Mm-hmm. And, and the first couple of times I heard it, like I immediately got angry. Yeah. And I was like, but I realized, oh, y'all are saying this because y'all don't know. And so I literally had to put yeah. in my syllabus. I had to like actually state in lectures, calling a black person colored is offensive. You and they were they like, doing this in twenty like in the twenty. This was 2020, 2021. And these white I, students I are calling people email from a are calling black family. people colored people. Yes, yeah. I, I can show it you is. an email in a student where the student uh, emailed me and said. Professor Grant, I'm sorry. I know I said colored in my um, paper. I didn't know that that was offensive. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, you know, thank you. Thank you for your response. Um, 
But yeah, they didn't know. And I knew that. Yeah, they don't know. Before, like a long time ago, like don't let nobody call you colored. Mm-hmm. so but actually because you have family that teaches you that and they yeah. do not yeah. and i'm like <laughs> you know, so we have to... kids who are coming from like a completely white context and no one is talking about race, especially now now when people are like i don't want to talk about the word I'm diversity it's banned right so, and the yo. fact that that lets me know that words like that and even worse are being used in your home and the only reason why you know not to say the n-word the only reason why you know not to say nigga is because of the larger pushback that you'll get from society. That's the only reason. But if you call it, if you okay with calling your professor colored or calling a black person colored in a public context, then that means that you've heard words like that and worse in your home. You know yes, what I'm saying? Because you're trying to be better. You're trying to be contemporary. You're trying to be better. Like, That's the best. I'm trying to call them Negroes or niggers. <laughs> but my gramps still calls them the Negroes or so, the blacks. My grandpa says colored. So, okay, I have a colored professor. No, I'll smack the shit out you. Like, stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo. So, but I, think, I think that's where the confusion of people of color comes from, too, because you have these terms that are very similar of like colored people, people of color. And if you've heard colored people from one group and then people of color from another group right. get into a classroom and you actually have to use that term right. and you might get confused about which one is right if people aren't actively teaching you like, oh no, right. if you what are from, <laughs> if you're like yeah. trying to reform yourself from the 50s, <laughs> then yeah. you say colored instead of saying the N-word. Yeah. But you know, like the, the nomenclature these days is people of color. And so I've had to explain that too. And you're actually right too that it was around the the seventies when there was this big shift in language. And actually, it is out. before that because I just looked it up. Okay, okay. Looked it up. okay. let's go. No, <laughs> according to you know quick Wikipedia search because you know, <laughs> people of color go dates as far back as 1796. This term is inherently anti-black. It was initially used to refer to light-skinned people of mixed African and European heritage so that the French colonists could distinguish between them. Oh, I didn't know that. um, It wasn't popularized, though, until the latter part of the French colonists used the term gens de couleur, I don't know how to pronounce it, to refer to people of mixed African and European descent who were freed from slavery in the Americas. Is this like in the New Orleans region? Or like um, outside of the U.S. If it was 17, then that was... 1796 in South Carolina and other parts of the Deep South this term, which... That would have been like the whole Louisiana Purchase because yeah. all that was French right there. Distinguished between slaves who were mostly Black and free people who were primarily mulatto or mixed race. You know what? The, after you know what? That's true. Civil War. Louis- oh, sorry, my bad. And then it says after the Civil War, cl- colored was used as a label exclusively for Black Americans. But the, but the term eventually fell out of favor by the mid 20th century. Um, but it started catching back up once um, MLK used the term citizens of color in 1963. Okay, MLK. The phrase in the term did not catch on until the late 1970s. So there was like, it was out there and then it came back. MLK said citizens of color and then people started using it in the 70s. Oh, uh, okay. But that's, when you think about it though, oh wait, your fate, your... Your your friend France Fanon <laughs> is in here, it's my home in here it's too. Um, says that in the late 20th century, the term "person of color" was introduced in the United States in order to counter 
implied by the term non-white mm-hmm. and minority and racial justice activists influenced by France Fanon you say Fanon right because mm-hmm. okay popularized it at this time by the yeah. late 1980s and early 1990s it was in wide circulation but then where I'm also looking at it is it, it is really a term used to distinguish between white people and everybody else yeah <laughs> but if you think if you think about like how it's just used I mean I'm sure I don't know if MLK did any research to see like how that term was used before he mm-hmm. said citizens of color but I, I the more I think about it it's like it's to distinct it, it goes back to I don't know if I want to call it eugenics but it's almost that ideal of like any pinch of anything that's in you that's not white makes mm-hmm. you somebody of color Mm-hmm. And we can distinguish that by looking at you. So now it's just like, oh, we have the white people, the mm-hmm. black people, and then the people who are kind of in between there. That's what it still seems to be like. And that that continues to be a problem because of this, of the creation of race mm-hmm. and race created because of phenotypes. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a class element too, though, because mm-hmm. when you mentioned the, the New Orleans, Louisiana area, I remember reading that a lot of black people who were who could eventually afford to buy their freedom or escape freedom if they didn't want to go north a lot of them went either to florida or they would go to to louisiana and new orleans had this large um this black free you could almost call it the early early black middle class like mm-hmm. enduring slavery where they would come and they would, you know, dress up and like they had these fancy hats and fancy clothes and these were black people with money. And, but they were called the free people of color. That was the name of the community. And I think the reason why they was, and I think they was, but they was dark skin, they was light skin. They was like all different. I think probably mostly light skin because it was usually people who were like, who were um, mulatto, who, you know what I'm saying? Who, you know, master slash dads, so-called master slash dads freed them or whatever because that was their kid or something like that, or treated them nicer because that was- At least you could do that. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it was like a class element because it was like, okay, so you got two different types of black people. You got these free people of color, and then you got these, you know, what they call slaves or enslaved people. And so I think that, now that you you say it, I remember seeing that term and learning about the free people of color community in New Orleans. And that that is actually the earliest time I remember, but it wasn't necessarily to- differentiate between two two different types of, I mean, two different types of black people along racial lines or along color lines, but more so along who could afford freedom and who couldn't. You know what I'm saying? That, I mean, that goes into like the whole like issue with, well, I mean, there are a plethora of issues with race and racial classifications, but just like retrofitting these categories that make sense in other places, like, France and just like the Francophone, like the larger Francophone world, um, which Fanon is a part of, um, and trying to like retrofit those onto like the US and how the US interprets and understands race. So it makes sense to me that this term was taken up in this like very French region mm-hmm. because how race and class fit together in other places in the world um like that kind of makes sense to me like i am a dark-skinned black woman Mm -hmm. but i've gone in other places and people are like oh you're not black 
And that's because they're overlaying this idea of class onto it. Like, oh, you're American. And so it doesn't matter mm -hmm. the exact like pigmentation of your skin. Like you're American and that's presumed to have money. And whether that's like, you have like literal like money, like Beyonce money, but it's like the perception of money because <laughs> you're American. Right. So you got, you got something if you're able to like leave America and be wherever we are. Mm -hmm. um, so by that, you're not, you're not black. Um, so there's like that class element to, to it as well. Like, even, like, I, I think I told y'all like when I was in South Africa and they were like, oh no girl, you're not, you're not black. Right. And I'm like, wait, wait, I a, minute. wait, wait a minute now, <laughs> look at the, the color of my skin. I'm, ain't nobody on question it where mm -hmm. i'm from mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah good point it's layered and actually so in this same of course wikipedia has a section called criticism and they put it clearly exactly what i was trying to say because mm -hmm. clearly we're not the only people thinking this and they said many term object to its lack of specificity um they argue that the use of a broad term like person of color is offensive because it aggregates diverse communities um, and projects a false unity that obscures the needs of the individual communities. Um, and then it also preserves whiteness as an intact category while lumping right. everybody else together. Lumping everybody else together. We really need to get, get updates on Jackie. Like, so, so for all of y'all, as y'all know, the past couple of episodes, me and Amber been holding it down. Shout out to Amber holding it down. Listen, POP, <laughs> hold it down. Y'all, y'all are phenomenal. <laughs> hold me down. Hold me down for life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been holding it down, man. Had a had a couple of a, a dope episodes. Had some great guests come through. Um, Ayana came through. Um, Ayana. Love you to the moon, girl. Yeah. I listened to that episode. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> came through. Lauren came through. Um, Ezra came Ezra, through. Lauren, Ezra, mm -hmm. Cassandra. Um, Cassandra. So we got some dope, dope, dope episodes. Had some guests come in. We gonna have some more guests too. We, you know, y'all, y'all know we good for some guests. But mm -hmm. we felt like with this episode, we should, we gotta, we gotta get the crew back together. We gotta get the energy. <laughs> back flowing with the with the three you know what yeah. I'm saying? and so we finally got um we finally got jackie back slash dr hater I, yeah. I almost feel you know what i was thinking i was like man i feel like i gotta either say something else or come up with another term now because you was dr hater before the mm -hmm. phd but now you I, I'm like, listen, you are the original Dr. Hater. I, I am fine being hater PhD. That's going to demark the. Jesus, when God, God called, what, what it, it was Abram and then it was Abraham. That's right. Paul, that's know, right. Man? Like it's something that's that gotta right. be to change. You feel me? <laughs> gotta come up with something else, man. Yes. So we well, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do that because you know you the you the wordsmith. So. PhD <laughs> <laughs> is pretty funny though. PhD <laughs> is funny. Though. Or, or, I don't know, but you got to tell us what are all of the new things that you were last okay. year. All right, so it's now um, officially October. Welcome to October, y'all. October, um, October. 
so like August was the wildest month I have ever had in my whole life here on this planet called earth <laughs> in this 20 21st year of our lord hello earthlings <laughs> <laughs> um august uh the beginning of august i moved to a new state pennsylvania it's where i live now <laughs> in central PA it ain't no Buyaka out here <laughs> ain't no Buyaka at all <laughs> so live in central PA um about two weeks after that I defended my dissertation about two weeks after that I finally had my wedding hey. and two days after that I had my first day of class at my new job Woo! and then like That's four days crazy. after that Two days after that, I found out I was pregnant. I was going viral. I was like, we're going viral. We're about to have like five thousand. <laughs> no. Wow, can we just class it up for all that you just did in August? In August 2021. Let's go. Thank you. It, I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, it was it was complicated, beautifully complex, because I had a lot of complex feelings about all of that stuff. They were all good things, like all life milestones. And I just remember feeling like I love this. Like all of these things are the types of things that people like they're like highlights of your life, right? Like, oh, you know, I got this, this job that I've been working toward, like my first day of work and, you know, something that I've wanted to do for a long time and defend this dissertation. What are you doing? Sorry. See that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's been so weird. He was just like licking, licking the banister. And I'm like, boy, what are you doing? Like, I don't know if there's like poison on there or something. You know, like how kids would like eat lead paint back in the day before they had to change over everything. So I'm like, get, get away from that. But anyway, so all these things are like, you know, these life events, like the wedding, the dissertation defense, all these things. And I'm like, I didn't time to really like sit with them and enjoy them I felt like it was like from going from one thing to the other just like checking off these check boxes I remember being I still am just like super tired from everything and part of that is because like you know whenever you start like a new challenge and job that you want to do well in like it just takes like a lot of time and energy to you know do do it well mm. so and then I you know I'm I'm also like grappling with like this idea of like the black superwoman because I'm like I do not care to embody that at all <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm really not I'm just regular and whenever I was like oh that's the <laughs> you're not regular though let's not you're not regular although i'm not against regular people and although i'm trying not to call people regular or basic mm -hmm. that's kind of rude and that's it's a little bit it's a little bit of class delta be calling people basic but you are you still are a phenomenal woman that's me that's me tired of that poem was anybody else got tired of that poem yeah, yeah. Eventually? it was a lot like history month it Every was a lot do a different one. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal woman. That's me. Phenomenally. Phenomenal woman. That's me. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. I don't it care. Was a lot. 
But you all are phenomenal. You are a phenomenal woman. That's Thank you. you. Well, I don't want to call you regular. But anyway, going back to what you described me. That was a... Yeah, I mean, all those things were amazing. I am so glad that I had friends who took like videos and pictures of all those things. It was it was beautiful to have so many people who I love and have had just like a great time with through the years be at those different events with me um, and having the foresight to take <laughs> pictures and videos of those things so I can like go back now and like relive some of those moments. Um, so that's been, that's been nice to have, but you know, just like that complicated feeling of like, yes, I've loved this. I've wanted to do these particular things for a long time, but then having them so close in sequence has been like, man, all right, from one thing to the other, just like felt super rushed. Mm -hmm. So I recommend these life events, like they're great, they're fantastic. Do not recommend them all in the same month, in the same year. Mm. Okay. Spread them out <laughs> over a lifetime will be my two cents. <laughs> wow. But, what a conglomeration of them. I know. Do you, do you feel like you were on a high or do you feel like you're coming down or like? Um, I don't know, that's a good question. I, I, I do remember feeling like anticlimactic after the defense, because I remember just being like, you know, like when you're just like super stressed about something like a presentation or whatever, like you just have all this like nervous energy inside. And then like, once it's done, it's like, all right, that's it. Like, <laughs> is that, is that all there is to it? Um, and then like maybe a few, um, days later, like a week later or whatever, I got an email from the school and they were like, we're mailing you your degree, like look out for it in the mail. And here's an e-copy in the meantime. And I'm like, dang, I've been in school for six years, like all this stress. And now it just boils down to like this PDF that looks like I could have made it in Canva. <laughs> so it felt like super anticlimactic, but a lot of people did say like, that's how it felt for them. So I was like, all right, so it's not just me at least. How did it feel so, for you, John? Yeah. When you finally got that degree, um, the paper itself, or after, right after you defended. Mm -hmm. Oh, right after I defended, because I was gonna say I could, I could go get the paper and I could show you. I still haven't opened it. Like, <gasps> it's literally. Watch this. Hold on. I'll be right Let's back. open it. Open Whoa! It. Oh yes! That's wild. Oh, this is exciting. That Do is. Do you have wild. your degree near you? I don't, they sent it, uh-uh, they, they, that was actually a little concerning, because I was like, I know they don't have my new address, are they going to send it to my old dad, like, where are they actually sending this to, mm -hmm. um, but I forgot that when I first registered for school, I used my parents' address in Florida, and so they oh. sent it to Florida, and of course, my mom was like, oh, I got my degree in the mail, oh, oh, over your doctorate on camera, yes, my, my address, but yeah, it's a Georgia State University, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, I still ain't opened it. <laughs> Just open that thing. Open it for this is, yeah. You better open that thing. <laughs> Let's see this. It, so, 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 so this lets you know that what Jackie said is real. It gets because you go through, I think so, like you said, you go through so much. You do the defense, you do all yeah. of that. 
Yeah. And I remember I was planning that. I had to defend to get the job I, I wanted at the time. And then I was planning that party with Audra. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a lot happening. Yeah, that was a fun party. Um, so yeah, I actually- Well, why, did, why haven't you opened it? Like what was yeah, behind that? I don't know. It was upstairs in my man cave for a minute. Mm-hmm. This is deep, nah, man. We're gonna psychoanalyze you. Gonna have to- <laughs> I, got, I got issues for real. Um, oh, it looks low. Wow. This is, this is my first time opening this. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is. It's big. It's very big. <laughs> this is really nice looking. <laughs> And my homeboy actually purchased me a really nice frame. It's a beautiful frame. You already have the frame? Is it at the house right now? Huh? Is it at the house yeah, right now? This is deep. This is deep. Yeah. So it's like, I just, it's been in here, like, for two years. I just, or yeah. three now. I guess it's three going on three years. But, yeah, it's like. You go, you 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 go through so much, and then you go to the job, and then you got to do this, and you. I don't think mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed the moment until the summer, because it was like like that next like that that next summer, I had a um. That's when I was at, I had gotten another job that was more steady, and I had time to like kind of sit with everything. I was still getting paid, so the way I had set up my payment, I was still getting paid even though I wasn't working. And then, so it wasn't the summer until after I got my PhD that I was like, oh, okay. And I could actually kind of sit with everything and really enjoy the moment. Um, But before that, mm -mm, it was like one thing after another for like nine months straight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of feel like I might have a similar experience in terms of like, well, also the backdrop for all of this and the backdrop for all of us in life in general right now is this pandemic Mm -hmm. so I think like that like experience of like being done with school and then going to graduation like putting on your robe getting hooded like all of those Mm -hmm. things are just not things that just given timing but also given the fact that those things are just not happening in the same way right now like our graduations I think are still virtual um yeah. so I'm like I don't need to be on Mary another's now yeah. so I don't know I mean the first time I might wear my like robe and stuff is when my students have like graduation at my school oh. like participating as faculty right so yeah I think that might be part of it of not having like that commencement mm-hmm. literally Yo, oh man, you 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 right though. To come through, to have all of those things happen at one time. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Kind of, yeah, it is this anticlimactic kind of moment, especially after defense. I remember you said that you was like, after your defense, um, somebody asked you what you was going to do and you were like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> you were like, I'm, talking, I'm about to take a nap. And I mm-hmm. felt you on that for real. Um, so, so, John, what did you do after yours? 
did you sleep? Did you? I know you had your party. Um, like, like the day. No, I was I was hyped. I was I was my adrenaline was up because afterwards, because you was there. You know what I'm saying? You was at the defense. Yeah, the part at the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you was at the defense. You was at the party. Um, I was like taking pictures. I was super emotional. You know, I was getting ready to cry or whatever. Like when I was doing that little speech at the end. So like, I was like really emotional. I had a lot of, I had a lot of, um, it was a lot of, um, not anxiety. What's the term? Um, Anticipation? Yeah, it was, I just said it. I just said the word. It was a lot of, um, not energy, but I just said the word, but whatever. Uh, but it was all of that though. It was adrenaline? Like, was adrenaline. it adrenaline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of adrenaline. Um, I do think I re- I remember I remember like that night being really, really tired. Like, cause my, my parents was at the house, my sister had come in town, it was a lot of people there. Um so yeah, I re- I remember it being a lot going on. Um, I remember having to play in the party, but I do remember that night being really tired. But I also remember I wasn't completely able to completely rest in it because I still had um, edits to do. So they still wanted me to do some edits and I had to get that done before a certain time. So I was happy. It was official. But then I still had to meet with my chair because she wanted to talk about the book. So it was it was still stuff I had to do. Um, so I wasn't able to completely rest in. Like I said, I didn't completely rest in everything until the summer after. And then I was like literally just chilling at the house. I spent like days, I think even weeks, just not doing nothing. Um, yeah, I was just like super, super chilling. And then that's when I was able to say, oh, wow, okay, I got this. I got the job that I needed to secure everything. Got a little bit of money got this coming in all right cool now I can and I think for me that was another thing because it's like yeah you could get the PhD but if you ain't got the money to go with it you know what I'm saying that is me you know what I'm saying on it and at the time uh, oh yeah I I was gonna say I'm gonna end it right here at the time I wasn't making a lot of money and I was trying to work my way into the position of getting the job and getting a job that was secure and all of that so that was another part of it too that makes me think of a question you had asked us before. Like, if you weren't in academia, what would you be doing? Mm. Like, for all of us to be like, well, what would we, if we weren't in, and I, when I think about academia, are we saying in the education space? Or like, if we weren't here, would there be something else we would be doing? And what would it be? If I was doing something completely non-academic, um, like not an education at all. I think I might want to um, either open a restaurant or like a bed and breakfast or something like that. Ooh, yes, because you can cook. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about me cooking. I'm just thinking about, <laughs> I'm just thinking about sampling the food. <laughs> sampling the food. Because I'm talking about the wrong career. A restaurant, and I'm like, I'm talking about being a food critic. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, I love, I love the experience. I love the experience. 
experience of being like at a restaurant. You want to be a restaurateur. You want to be the person being fed. <laughs> you don't want to own the restaurant. <laughs> I do. I want both. I want both, y'all. I want to own the restaurant you want and I want to sample the food. Free food. <laughs> yes. Yes. You see me. Yes. You want to. <laughs> Is that what you want? You just want somebody who can give you food? No, <laughs> like I, I love, okay. I love moving pieces in terms of like, I like multiple things happening that fit together. Okay. But I don't like, like, I know that people say like the restaurant business is like super stressful and can be super stressful. I get all that. But for me, when I go to a restaurant and I have like a great experience with like the company that I'm with and have great food and have great drinks and the ambiance is nice. Like those kind of details coming together. Like those are some of my favorite times. Like when I think back, like even when we had um, the going away dinner for, yeah. for Audra, like that, that was like a good, like fun time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, to be someone who's, you know, in charge of like curating that experience for people which is why I said also like <clears throat> a bed and breakfast bed and because breakfast. then you have some place where you're like getting away like you're curating this whole experience that includes food mm -hmm. I think that's the part of it <laughs> yeah 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 I like first thing that I did when I got here I was like where where's the food mm -hmm. and I found a Jamaican and a Nigerian um place oh, right next to each other so oh perfect yeah Wait, so then what kind of restaurant would you want to to have oh that's a good question i would want to do like black diaphragm food mm. so um you could get kind of like the wedding you could get some jollof with some jerk chicken with a side of collard greens like all of that on the same plate just sounds phenomenal to me. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. And for the bed and breakfast, you would do the same? Yeah, it would have to be like some place or some city that is like meaningful to like Black people. For like, there's some sort of like connection to the diaspora there. And so, New York, DC. Yeah, New Orleans, like, <laughs> Jacksonville even like there are these cities that have like these really meaningful deep stories um <clears throat> I think even of like mm. I don't know I mean New York is interesting because you have like so many different people coming together from the diaspora but I think even in um, I don't know like even random like Minneapolis for example like mm. there's a huge refugee population there um like I think uh Ethiopian and Eritrean mm. like there's a huge population there and so I'm just thinking like you have these other cities where they're they're not the first ones that come to mind when you think of like how these dia like these various um black people from across the diaspora like meet within the city and influence the culture of the city um even Atlanta to a degree like we think of Atlanta we think of like south like black american but then when i think about like african and afro-caribbean cultures that are also like coming together in atlanta like atlanta could be a really interesting place for something like that too very much wow 
Man, I would. You, you know, this, it would be so one one of my favorite um, episodes of like different series. I particularly I saw this on Friends, but I think actually Living Single had an episode <laughs> like this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Amber. But I think Living Single had an episode like this. Like different shows have episodes where they say if if the characters weren't doing this, mm-hmm. what would they be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Living Single had one where like. Um, Maxine was like broke doing something. Um, Queen Latifah, what she was something else, whatever. Um, and it would be dope to see like an episode for us, an episode for us. Like, what, oh, that would be cool. Yeah, if Jackie was not this PhD scholar researcher, she was mm-hmm. a restaurateur, you know what I'm saying? If Amber yeah. was a researcher, you know, Harvard grad, all of this, but. She was this, you know what I'm saying? Like that would be, I would love to see that. So what would your story be, John? I was thinking, um, I, and sometimes not to say that I regret, cause I have very few regrets in my life, but um, I would have liked in another life to be um, a ghostwriter. A, a hip-hop ghostwriter Ooh. yeah like, i could see that for sure i would have if i would have really went into it because i don't really care to be like a like famous i don't really care a whole lot about fame or being seen or known but the like um estadine do y'all know who estadine is Mm-mm. oh estadine is a ghostwriter for a lot of people she's written for like oh beyonce rihanna mm-hmm. <laughs> Like a lot of people, she wrote um Gucci, you don't know me. Gucci, you don't know me. I think I love her. Y'all know that song. Mm-mm. But yeah, like um she she's written a lot of songs for a lot of people, and she makes a lot of money. But very few people know who Estadine is. Um, the Dream. Y'all know who the Dream is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, the Dream is a big ghostwriter. He writes for a lot of people, but you know you know him because of the. The, the hits that he's done and he's kind mm-hmm. of out there more but it's like it's a pj is another one she writes for like a lot of people she's been getting more and more love too because she's been collaborating Who? who's that person pj pj okay pj if you put pj in common um because she's been doing a lot of collaborations with yeah her. i just saw a song can't come up with that so i don't mm. i didn't know who she was i thought they were just not saying pj morton and so i was like I don't, <laughs> but then in the song i was like well where the hell oh i guess that's mm-hmm. just okay ignorant mm. all right <laughs> but she um but yeah these people they make saha the prince is another one he writes for for kanye a lot and they make good money but they're not like known mm-hmm. and so if i just got paid like crazy money um oh another one is um what's his name out of atlanta um something is it martin Not something martin i don't know but um he writes he's a ghostwriter for drake and mm. he made crazy money but so i i would have wanted to do to do that that would have been like a dream job for me and then take that money and then be able to like open businesses i probably would have like open open the barbershop you know, open like hair salons, open like stuff that's like in my community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that would have that was and kind of is still a dream of mine. Like I would love to. You to can still that. do it. I would love yeah. to be a song. I would I love always to be have another life. Of, 
Yeah. I love that. I would, I, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about what my story would be. And I, I know I would be a multimedia artist, which I just need to start becoming anyway. And mm-hmm. I would, would want to be a fashion designer um, or have, and have my own boutique. Mm. And just, yeah, I could I see that all day. We actually thought you was going to be there, Amber, though. You know, we thought I, thought I was too. <laughs> we was like, oh, Amber going to have this crazy line with like, because your whole style was so dope. Still is dope, but I'm saying I remember it was different. Everybody. Yeah, it was different. Yeah, I still feel like that's me. And I feel like that's, yeah, I feel like I'm going to be going, going into that more and then also try to have the academic, academic side of it because it's the, it's the us being, you know, multi-hyphenate, Renaissance, Machiavellian, mm. all of that. Like we all have these different parts of us and they need to be fulfilled. So I'm just like, how can I get it all? And I do want it all, which I think having it all is different from being a superwoman because I do feel like mm. a lot of people want you to be able to manage the stress of everything and just kind of like be stressed out, which is different to me than organizing my life and planning my life in such a way where I get to do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's different. It's not the things that I have to do. I feel like superwoman is sometimes like the have to do, um, which I feel like I'm not even going to get into Proverbs 31 because I'm not into Proverbs 31 women. Everybody just puts her mm. like, I know we told I used to feel like Proverbs 31, like that's who I aspire to be. And then I'm like, yo, this is, this is that, that type of like, I guess that architect type is not somebody that I want to fulfill at all mm-hmm. I just want to be myself and get into what I want to do I should and I'm, in one way I feel like the Proverbs 31 woman is kind of very like stereotypical women roles in a sense it's like she mm-hmm. sews she cooks she does everything it's just like what's her husband doing if anything it's mm-hmm. just like what she's the one who's taking care of everything her husband's proud of her she's anyway whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's just say, I want to live in a reality where I can do what I want that's what I really want. And I feel like I have to have these conversations about like it's research. It's just it's it's research, it's stories, right? That's what we're we're into. We're into stories and the way that they connect. And we're into the layers that are in stories. That's in one way how we could look at what academia is. And we're looking at different people's stories and different people's analyses of these different stories and people making estimations and guesses and conclusions conclusion about different things and it's like oh that's so interesting the way that all of these people are thinking about things and so really to me it's like I'm interested in thought right that's what academia is to me in a way and then I'm interested in art Mm -hmm. and I'm interested in how these different media come together and how it's like you have an emotional response to different things and it's a sensory experience with with things um and I want all of that I want all of it I got it. And I'm going to figure that out. Mark my words today, October 3rd, 2021. <laughs> I don't know whenever this is going to be close, but mark my words. I'm going to find a way to blend it all because I want, I want the whole life that I'm meant to have. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. I feel like if there's, you better take the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, if there's anyone on this planet who I'm like, they could, they could do it. It's Amber. For sure. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny, Amber, because I've always kind of looked. Another thing I was thinking about was one of the dreams I've always had. Well, I actually had it and I was going towards that. And then I shifted towards like more research and academia and stuff was I wanted to be a, um, a radio host. So I wanted to be like a Charlemagne type figure where, you know, like I'm on the radio, I'm talking about culture, I'm talking about music, and then allow that to branch into 
And I love how Charlemagne was, and whether a person liked Charlemagne or not, I like how he was able to take that and then leverage that into books and then leverage that Mm -hmm. into TV, Mm -hmm. leverage it into podcasts, leverage it into all these different other spaces that he, and then he's still very learned. You know what I'm saying? He's a very well-read individual. And so, and so that, that's one thing that I would have liked to do. And now thinking about you, um, Amber, I see you as being that, you being more of that multimedia, like I could see you doing a podcast and having a TV and being an influencer and having fashion and maybe like being like almost like this Jane of all trades of just having your hands in, and it just, you just kind of impacting it being to a point where you're so good at that one thing that they know you for and then just kind of start putting your hands in all this stuff and then kind of like more so guiding it as opposed to like being hands-on with everything because you can't do that but you can like have the 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 money and the resources and the influence Mm -hmm. to like put this person here and then guide it put that person here and then guide it put that person here and then guide it and kind of do it like that you're doing something for me you're doing something for me. I needed to hear you say that because I think what I, I've gone back and forth on this thing of like, in one way, wanting to like find one thing and try to focus on that. But anytime I try to do that, it's not satisfying. It's not even a satisfying um, mental exercise. Mm. Um, it's like, it's like, okay, I'm tired of being the Jane of all, all trades, try to pick one and just try to go in that. And yet what you also said was like, how can we pick, how can I maybe pick one and then kind of pivot from that and go in different directions? Mm. I still think like, however, whatever my, whatever I end up doing or creating, I need to start with the multi-plan. Like it mm. has to start like that. Otherwise I don't think I can be even mentally satisfied enough to, to go into that. So that's interesting. And this brings me to a question and maybe we can wrap up on this question. Mm. I was talking about this yesterday with my boyfriend after we had a very random encounter with, this is a long story short, but we were driving around waiting to get our takeout. <laughs> from Flying Biscuit and we came upon a yard sale and the stuff was kind of interesting. So I was like, let's go up in there. And um, the the woman who was out there, she just, she had this real cool vibe and she was like, yeah, I'm a costume designer and you know, I'm really well known. And then we're like, and so then my boyfriend who was there, he asked what her name was. And so then we left, we got a few left. We looked her up. She was not just any costume designer. She was the wardrobe stylist and costume designer for Sex in the City. And, that's, oh. and we all know what Sex in the City did for clothing and right. fashion. Right. Wow. In fashion, fashion period. Carrie Bradshaw was big. Like everybody Huge. wanted Carrie Bradshaw clothes. Mm-hmm. Huge. Okay. So it's like, huh. Wait, was she at the yard sale or was she? It was her, her yard sale. It was her oh, yard wow. sale. She's, she's selling that house. Mm-hmm. And she, she's selling her Atlanta house. And she's having a yard sale. And it's just like, mm-hmm. This is interesting. And so then that triggered for us a whole conversation about like, what does success look like? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, she's, cause it's the idea, we were talking about the idea of being well-known. Cause it's like, she said that I'm a well-known person and yet neither of us had ever heard of her. <laughs> right. had, yet had we both, well, had I at least been definitely influenced by her. I used to definitely watch Sex in the City and mm. in the fashion world, I feel like it's been affected. And so we started thinking like, well, not being well-known as a goal. Like sometimes that's an indicator for some people of success. And so we started thinking, well, to be well, to be well-known is that to be successful. So then what does it mean to be successful? Like, what do you think 
success is. I'll share what my definition is or the, what I began to define. I would love to hear what you all think success is, especially in light of all of the, what could be considered successes that you had, mm-hmm. um, Jackie, in the past mm-hmm. month. And then John, even thinking about your successes and how you just opened up technically like the, the physical manifestation of one of your major successes just now on camera two years later. So it makes mm. me think about how you define and what you think success is too. And so I'll start with what I think and I'd love to hear what you all think. Mm-hmm. So out of that conversation from yesterday, I realized that success for me is to be able to pay my bills and not blink. <laughs> I don't want to have to even feel it. I don't want to have to feel my bills because I know one stressor for me is just thinking about bills and all of that. Success for me is being able to be like, oh, okay. And and, and I'm good. I'm not like rent is due or oh, this is due, whatever. That's, that's one market of success for me. Another market is that I'm more happy than I'm not happy. So, and I'm not saying like 51, 49, I want to be like at least 70 30 or like I don't even want to say 65 35 but even more higher than that like I want to feel happy more than I don't feel happy that's important for me another one part of success for me is to have peace Mm. I want to be able to have peace in my decisions and what I mean by that is what I'm beginning to accept more and more is that no matter what we do in life we have there are negotiations that we make right it's like some stuff I can live with some right? And I want more of, so there's this give and take that we have to do to, to be successful in this life, especially to be people who are remotely conscious and living in a capitalistic regime, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you participate in capitalism, which means you participate in oppression and enslavement of other people. Mm-hmm. Even without you directly doing it, we participate in it, you know, mm-hmm. um, even by using these devices. And so there's this give and take that's there in life that is going to be there that at, since we're here in this regime. So there's that give and take. And I just want to make sure that I have peace where I'm, there's not so much take, where I'm not negotiating my life around more takes than I am doing give. So if, if that's like, because we live in, under this system and we have to deal with all these things, I don't want that to be 51, 49 either. I would prefer if it's like 60, 40 or 70, 30 or something where I don't feel like I'm having to negotiate so many, so much of myself, yet I accept the fact that there's that give and take. So that's another piece of it. It's like, I want to be able to have peace in the kind of balance between that, that give and take in the world. And um, I want to, my last thing was that I want to always, um, uh, indicator of success for me is to be able to recognize the humanity in any moment. Mm. That meaning that like there could be a situation happening and yet I have the consciousness and I have the connection to the spirit to see it beyond what it might be. So that might be if I'm at a restaurant and, you know, I'm on my, I'm doing one of my busy days. I'm, you know, I have this meeting, I have that meeting, I have this meeting and the waiter or waitress, they, you know, flip-flop or something, they mess up or something. And I'm not going to come down their throats because Mm -hmm. I'm a human being and I see the human in any moment, you know, or like I'm walking around somewhere and something happens and it's like, I can see beyond that moment because I'm connected to spirit or, you know, it's that, that kind of thing. I feel like that to me, if I can stay in line, if I virtual alignment, that to me is success. So yeah, those are kind of my, my definitions of success. 
And I'm sure I could probably unpack that some more and I need to write it down so I can really go for that so I can move towards that because I want whatever I do to be able to have all of those pieces or I'm able to have peace with all of those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what about y'all? That is a good question. And I think your challenge first of all, the first thing that I thought about is, y'all remember the Devil Wears Prada and how she, the, I don't even remember her name, the editor, the the devil, um, mm-hmm. read her assistant <laughs> for filth where she was talking about Cerulean, when she was like, we picked this thing to go on the cover, like we picked this belt, and then all of a sudden Cerulean becomes like, color like the most popular color and it trickles down to these bargain basements where you get that ugly sweater that you're wearing but all of that comes because we decided what belt to put on this person who goes on the cover and it just made me think about like that's like one way to define you were talking about like the this famous well-known fashion uh, designer costume designer and it made me think about like how success is defined just because these group of people sat in a room and picked a belt and then all of a sudden like everyone's fashion is influenced by that. Um, so all that to say like it, it started me down the train of like thinking like is success like influence like is that like a success that I would be happy with but just like listening to you I don't even think that I have articulated what success looks like for me. And maybe that's why like finishing a PhD feels anticlimactic because it probably doesn't align with like my core definition of success. Like I think larger society looks at finishing a PhD as like this huge success and I'm happy I did it and I'm like grateful and I'm doing stuff with it that I wanted to do. Like I, I set this goal I completed this goal and now I'm like living out what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still doesn't like um, negate the fact that I feel like it was like anticlimactic. Like I can think of other moments throughout my life where I, I've been like, oh yeah, this is great. And it wasn't anything like remotely close to that. It might've just been me hanging out with my family. Like we had like a random potluck or something and we're like, oh yeah, let's just get together, like have this moment. Um, so I think like all of that to say is like, I think I need to articulate like my internal feelings of what success is. And what I really like about how you define yours, Amber, is that there are so many things that are like those intangible type feelings, like, like peace, like those sorts of things are not like the typical markers of success. Like the typical markers of success are like achieving this goal by 35 or like achieving this financial goal or having this much money in the bank or having this type of job by 35 or 40 or having you know these these very tangible things that you can see um and I like the fact that your definition of success is incredibly subjective because one person's piece might not be another person's piece Mm -hmm. um so yeah so that's what I'm feeling right now I like that um and it's interesting because I'm 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 a pull from I'm gonna start with extending something that Jackie said and then pull from two of yours, um, Amber. Um, 
I, I feel you about that anticlimactic feeling when you that 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 you get. I probably had a more a more instant gratification feeling when I got the book deal. Mm. Um, when I got that book deal with Temple University Press, immediately I felt it, and it was like, you know what I'm saying. But the but the PhD, even the job, I don't know why I didn't I didn't have that. And I think it was because it was attached to like these other, these mm. other right? Because, and I was just um, listening to a sermon by Sarah Jakes Roberts yesterday um, and I could send it to y'all. It was, it was so good. Somebody sent it to me. Mm. And one of the things it taught, I think it was called adapting with purpose or something like that. And, and she was talking about how a lot of times in society, we are, we conform when we're called to adapt. And you can adapt to a different situation and still be yourself and still be who God made you to be and still and still be who God called you to be. It was such a beautiful sermon. Like I was almost in tears because I was listening to it while I was in the gym and I was listening to it when I got back in the car and I, I sent it to some of my other some of my other homies. And I was like, yo, y'all need to listen to this sermon. This is it was really good. Um, but one of the things she said was a lot of times success is immediately connected to additional feelings of failure and anxiety because when you succeed at something, now you have to walk in it. Now you have to prove that you could do it. And sometimes we get these moments of, um, what you call it, of imposter syndrome. Mm. Like, oh, okay, I got this PhD, but deep down, like, I really just kind of fumbled my way through this thing. <laughs> like, I don't even know how they Because I don't even really know how to yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, Amber, like I'm I'm pretty sure you felt that way going to Harvard. This is arguably what people a lot of people consider the greatest school in the world. And you if it was me walking in, I'd be like, I'm not doing this because they're gonna find out that for real. I'm a regular. That's what I felt like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, are you crazy? So it's like a lot of times you, you we go through these imposter syndromes. Um, and I think a large part of that goes to going to what Amber said is the reason why we sometimes feel this way is because we haven't yet settled in and tapped into our true meanings of success. And it's mm -hmm. not just the job you get or the money you have or the car you drive or what people mm -hmm. call you or your title. Cause a lot mm -hmm. of time that just add most strength. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. really these much deeper things. So um, two of those things Amber said, I love one of them was that peace like just being in a consistent state of peace, a consistent state of contentment, I think for me is like the, like one of the biggest markers for success from, uh, for me. Mm -hmm. Another one is um, uh, you, you said- um, I'm taking notes. Yeah, you said peace and then you said um, happiness. And mm -hmm. so just like, just, you, you you said, and I love how you kept going up because you was like, you don't even want 50 50. And then you said like 65, and then you said 70. And I'm thinking in my mind, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah. 95, yeah. 90, 95, 100. Like we, we want, and I think sometimes we pull back because we're like, well, that's not reality because we, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be sad sometimes. It's like, no, I want God want us to have the ultimate. I want 100% happiness all the time. Mm. I want that. Like, I know that things, shows me. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know things gonna happen in our lives. I know 
you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, it's just going to be messed up sometimes, but mm-hmm. I, I want that consistent state of peace and happiness and, 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 and laughter and joy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's the same thing for me as well. Um, another thing I was thinking about, you know, I'm, it might sound a little soft, but like, I was, I was thinking to myself, like, what what people think like how much how, how much do I weigh in that like how much does that mean to me and the older I get the less a little bit what people think really means to me mm. um except for one person and that's my daughter mm. like I, I I even though she only four like I mm. often ask her like you know are you happy are you good and she's four mm-hmm. so she's always happy so man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she's just excited about everything and so, but I think for me, a big marker of success would be the the type of woman that she turns out to be. Like, like if she's mm. going to be somebody who's not necessarily what she achieves if she gets a degree or how much money she makes, but like the t- just like the type of woman she is. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, and mm-hmm. ultimately, when she does get older and you know and becomes more conscious about certain things, like. If she could look at me and say, Daddy, you are a great father. Daddy, you mm. did a good job. Daddy, I love you. Daddy, you are amazing. Mm. If she says that to me at 13 and 17 and 19 and 25, I'd be like, I'm good. Put me in the ground, bro. Like, a nigga is straight, bro. Like, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, if my daughter could tell me that, bro, like, I think that's that's one of the biggest um, yeah. areas of anxiety that I have in my life for real. It's like, mm. how am I going to show up for this little girl? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm getting emotional mm. thinking about it, but I really be thinking about that shit, bro. Like, how am I going to show up for her? Like, how am I going to make sure, like, every time? You know what I'm saying? So if she get 13, 15, 25, 30, and she like, nah, daddy, you good. Like, you did your thing. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm happy. I be like, man, nigga. I'm cool, God. You got you <laughs> now. I'm cool now, bro. <laughs> so that's a big mark. That's good. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Yo, I like yeah, that. I miss her. See this? I be wanting to do one every week, dog. You see why I be wanting to do one? <laughs> these and ever be coming up with the best questions, man. Ever. For real. That's what I'm saying. You could be like a like an Oprah or some shit. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I, I kind of think that's what I would want to do. Like because I'm a person who asks questions. Yeah. And I and I love talking to people and understanding what your what your thoughts are about things. Like that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in people's thinking mm. and their thoughts and their feelings and and us all being interconnected because we're all like I don't I just think it's so interesting that it took this Street Academy podcast episode for you to open up your and that's on that's the, wild. and that's on the heels of our other co-host just conferring hers. Yeah. I find that very interesting. That's a that's a yeah. synchronicity. That's it's like that's interesting because yeah. I don't think you would have written it that way. And I find it I find moments like that where it's just like if we had written the story, would that have happened? And I don't think we, you would have done that. You I don't think you would have said, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna um have this whole degree and you're not gonna open it until two years later in the middle of a podcast." The mom, other co-host actually confirms yeah. her doctor degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah, we couldn't. You couldn't have written a better. A better yeah. You couldn't yeah. have written a better treatment. Yeah, you're right. And I would have never opened this thing. It's just been sitting there for three years. Like, that's oh, it's three years. Three years. Okay. Wild. I thought you went there two. I thought it was two, three years later. Mm. And that also says something about the passage of time. Mm. How time passes regardless. Mm. And and when you, man. I don't know, something about that is just so metaphorical or symbolic to me, like mm. having the degree in that tube, right? Mm. Like what that's supposed to represent. Mm. And it's been in there for three years. Mm. But it doesn't mean that it's not real, that mm. it hasn't already happened. Not that it has, yeah, it's not that it's not, like you haven't experienced, I guess, the, the effects of that degree. Because right. it's like- you've been teaching you've been a professor you've been doing all these things with that title but not necessarily the, the physical of it and i don't know there's something i don't know there's something about it. i can't I, I don't have my finger on it yet but there's and i did there. feel something when i looked i was like wow this is wow i i felt something actually and maybe i, I saw it i did like I, we saw it in your face. I felt I was you like, want to open up my degree. Hold on. My degree. Wait, you haven't opened up yours either? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I've opened it. Hey, hey, I was like, all right, <laughs> this is too much. I, I, I got one from Harvard. I might open one up from Harvard. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I haven't looked at it in a while. This is this is my degree. Ooh, yeah. I looked at this in a long time. That's uh, interesting. Like the whole layout is different. Harvard will be the one to be like. <laughs> y'all gotta be. Y'all got already Harvard. Right. Yeah. Wow. Oh. I haven't thought I haven't looked at it in a while. You still got and it in know, the plastic. For real. You ain't yeah, even got it in the in a frame or nothing. Yeah, it's not in a frame. This was definitely one of those. This was a moment where I felt like, yo, I accomplished this because of like how it all happened. Like it was, it was a moment. And, and you came from the couch. Remember from, from the couch to Cambridge? Like yeah, just from the bottom where you got that. Yeah, getting was a whole moment. I did a whole campaign. And a part of me just wonders if I should even like how I want to kind of close up that story because you know, I still work at Harvard. So my my connection is is still very much there. And I, I feel like mm -hmm. some of my other friends who went there, and, and at the same time, I don't even I didn't have a I didn't make a lot of friends while I was there, to be honest, not at Harvard. I made, that, that's, that's a whole other story, which I think is interesting. When I think back of myself in retrospect, like who was I as a student mm -hmm. there? Um, like I more so made friends at church because that was like who my community was. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I more so looked at my identity back then. Um, but like for some of my, for like, I at least can say for like one of my other friends or two of my other friends who I actually keep in contact with um, and barely, and barely shout out Tr Trishika and Raquel, but. What up, um, Trishika, what up, Raquel? Raquel, so Raquel. they, um, they, I don't, I don't know if they feel like they have as much of a connection. It's kind of like, it was like a blur, like it was a year and then it kind of happened. But like, I, I actually stayed in Boston and was like working there. And, it's, and so I feel like, this kind of different connection to that community and that I'm still working there even post pandemic or like in the pandemic. And yet there's probably around the early next year, I'm going, going to go ahead or the plan is to transition a job. And so then it will be like Harvard 
will be something from the past, even though, you know, you still maintain connection. And so mm -hmm. I feel like there's a closing to that chapter soon. And I think that's going to be very interesting in terms of how, I, what I think about success and like the cycle of success, because it's like, when it comes to even your doctorates, which I'm not trying to prolong this conversation, but it's like, when, when, when can you, it's it's not about necessarily stop celebrating a success, but when is it kind of over? You know how some people are trying to ride on one thing mm -hmm. for too long? Oh, yeah. You know, so it's just like, when is it like you can stop being like, I'm this or like, not, not that attitude, but like, you know, like, yeah, I'm a doctor. And then it's just becomes like, is that one of those things where people always celebrate it? Or like, you know, when somebody becomes a mother for the first time or a father for the first time, or like, you know, they do something for the first time. It's like these firsts and all of that, or like they break these records. Like, what are the cycles of this? But you get what I mean? That's um, a anyway. really good mm -hmm. That is a good question. Like commercial break. I've been having these um, things. I bought this really big plant and my room is really nice looking. And it-, it um, Oh, you got like the little plant gnats. Yeah. Ooh! Yeah. It's been like nice. Palm Tree, Florida, John. I know. I love my <laughs> but now it's got these nets coming up in yeah. my room. Um, so that's why I keep doing like that. Um, that is a great. That I think that's a that could definitely start off another conversation of, mm -hmm. like, when do you say, like, is it going to be like five years from now, and we still like PhD Harvard grad? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is it like? That's a good question. Like. You know what I'm saying? Like how? You know, like like how long does does um who's the fastest man in the world? Uh, the you saying you saying Like how long does he be that until somebody beats his record? You know what I'm saying? Is it like? You know what I'm saying? And it's like the same when people say nominated. Like when you think about celebrities, it's like they're Grammy nominated, Oscar nominated, or like they won this, and for the rest of their career, it's like. I'm Oscar winner, so-and-so. Like, you're always going to have that because of that particular accomplishment. And maybe that's the same way the title doctor works. Right. Like, you're going to always have that because that precedes your name. And so it's like a cat award-winning actress, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Like, that's a thing. And yet when it also comes to, like, musicians, it's like, you know, they're this Grammy winner or they're this billboard topping. Or, you know, they kind of, even when you think about verses, they go back and forth with these numbers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how people will say, like, it's like your next album is your best album. Or like, I think Denzel Washington said it, like my next movie is my best movie. You know, it's like, he's not just kind of thinking about like, oh, what I did in training today or what I did in X. But it's like that next thing. But I feel like that also creates kind of a pressure where you always have to feel like you got to like be better than yourself at some point. And yeah. that doesn't like, feel good. It doesn't. And I'm not like anti-growth, anti-evolution, but at the same time, like I think, that just given the structure of our society, particularly as it's influenced by capitalism, which is like this always like seeking for more, like this always like encompassing more and more and more, that I think that taking time to celebrate however long that takes, like if that's a lifetime <laughs> celebration, that that's like fine, especially as Black people, especially like as women, where mm. we don't have like the room and latitude to celebrate. Like I think about, you mm. know, just like morbidity rates in Black communities being what they are 
Um, and part of that is because the idea of celebration, the idea of joy is something that's not a given. Like it's something that we're constantly having to fight for and like steal and co-opt. So I'm like, if somebody wants to celebrate the same thing 5011 times, then <laughs> 5011 times it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, live your life. Um, and that, I mean, you're not bothering anybody. I mean, you might be annoying somebody, but you know, they'll, they'll be fine, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but that's what anniversaries are for. Like you have yeah. Mother's Day and Father's Day. And mm-hmm. you know, every around every August of that year, you're gonna think about this mm-hmm. is the day that I got, you know what I'm saying? My people, mm-hmm. this is the day that, that I graduated. Mm-hmm. You know, the day you got married, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna think about those. Um, even musicians come out with albums and they be like, yo, this, you know, out, you know, out can't equimini, whatever, like you drop the blueprint on it and they, they still, you know, you celebrate those things because, you Mm -hmm. know, that's a part of your growth. That's a part of your story. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I feel like even though I said that like the actual defense and stuff was anticlimactic, every time I have to fill out some new paperwork or whatever, like online, whatever, and it has like that drop down for prefix. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm my prefix is now doctor. Yeah, like it, it has like that little celebratory moment in it because I know at some point I'll get like something in the mail that's like dr jackie forbes and i'll be like oh yes correct like so it's like these little mini celebrations that happen and honestly like those moments (laughs) those moments are just like filling out random paperwork have felt more celebratory than the actual moment of Mm. that that moment did feel like all right well i'm about to take this nap and (laughs) i'll catch y'all later (laughs) and that's that's something i actually tell um either like my students or I'll tell um, some of my mentees, people who are are coming up who are like working on their dissertations. um, I always tell them when they say, John, yo, like I'm I'm to a point where I just don't want to do this no more. I'm at, you know, I'm at this phase, I'm giving up. And I always tell them this story. I think I've said this on here before as well, but I'll say it again. I always think about what Muhammad Ali said when he was like, I hated every moment of training, but I thought about it and I said, I could either train now and live the rest and live the rest of my life as a champion you know what i'm saying so it's gonna be i i tell my you know mentees and stuff that i say you could you could go through this this year there's two years where it's gonna suck where you got to do this research where you got to go under a rock and guess what from from that moment that you've done until the day that you die all the way up until your tombstone guess what they got to put on that mug they got to put doctor before they put your name so for the rest of your life, for the rest of eternity, for the for your kids' life and your kids' kids' lives, like you change that you change your life and the lives of future generations just off of that that small time of sacrifice. So just think that that's a small price that you got to pay for making that much of a change. You know what I'm saying? Um, so struggle now, like Ali say, struggle in the gym, struggle in running those miles, and live the rest of your life as a, as a doctor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm. There it is. Yeah. That's what that is. Oh, I feel like I should, since we showing degrees, I'll show y'all my uh my Canva degree. Let's go. <laughs> this is what I got on my email. Let's go. <laughs> 
Jadakiss was dope too. Wow. I, I know I told you this already, but I said on the ep- episode, I loved your defense. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was Thank awesome. you. It was beautiful because, you know, the, the one part of the pandemic is that, you know, people are on Zoom. And I know that all those people were not going to Wisconsin. Yeah. I wasn't even trying to go to Wisconsin <laughs> to do my defense. So it was just nice that everybody could just from wherever they were. Yeah, that was dope. Mm-hmm. <sighs> How we feeling, y'all? Good. Feeling good, feeling great? Yeah, man. Yeah. Shout out to... To the lady who um who was doing the yard sale. I forget her name at this exact moment, so that's not really helpful. But uh <laughs> just I'm, I'm grateful that she just took the we were just talking and she was just open to tech talking. And yeah. it made us have it ended up us having this kind of this conversation in a way. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Absolutely. Feeling good. All hearts and minds clear. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know if I'm clear. I think I'm like, I'm like on the edge of something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like just this whole moment was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting to me. And I feel like I just need to let it sit in there and then it'll mm-hmm. like, I think I'm marinating. So I don't know if I'm clear marinating. Or it's like, you know, like if it's water, it's different from having it's still it. water and having water with a ripple in it. So it's I feel like the water has the ripple. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I am right now. I like it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, yo, if you if you still have some rippled effects from this episode and you want to contact us, holler at us at Street Academy Podcast on IG, at Jacket Demission on all the things, mm-hmm. at Amber Camilla on all the things, at J. Paul Grant on all the things. Go to our YouTube. I've heard people actually tell me, they say, people don't even know we have a YouTube. So they're like, yo, what are episodes? And I'm like, they on YouTube. And they're like, no, we only go to whatever. And I'm like, so go to YouTube to actually watch the full episodes. So mm. check it. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube page, Street Academy Podcast. Check us out. Um, if you're coming across us on, on other podcast stations and networks and things like that, if you want to actually see it live, um, not see it live, but see us and see the conversations and everything. But um, thank y'all so much. For hollering at us thank y'all so much for for being here if y'all got any ideas or anything you want to say any feedback leave comments on our uh ig page leave comments on our uh youtube page sometimes it takes me a while to respond because i don't always check it but i will respond or when i see it um so yes with that being said it's been another episode y'all shooting kind of broadcast where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets and we are out Peace, peace. That you know got their feet apart. The neck of the haters, the game and the devil like came in.